Welcome to Event Quest. This is your host, Wartwine, join, or, or also known as Cham, uh, joined by Chance, Darth Tater. How you doing? Howdy. Eh. All right. <laughs> and uh, Matt, also, sometimes thought the uh, Amon, but we refer to you as Matt. So how I, you doing? I respond to either. Uh, the Stygian Sorcerer Supreme. <clears throat> I am going to try not to cough during this episode for listeners. So if you hear my audio just suddenly go blank, um, it is probably because I cut a cough. Or you just might hear it because I might miss it in the editing. But uh, Event Quest is the show we're doing here where we do a pseudo jokey slash serious set review of a set in magic and today we are doing uh crimson vow which i keep calling blood oath for some reason <laughs> close enough yeah yeah um so when we're going to talk about seven cards each we're going to do five main set w- at least one from a commander and then uh one build around card from either or as long as we're hitting both main set commander and a build around, it doesn't really, the numbers that come from where it doesn't really matter as much. Just as long as we're talking about something in them. <clears throat> so gives you guys a total of 21 cards to hear about tonight. And of course we always talk, end up talking about more anyways. So, uh, for tonight, how about let's lead with you, Matt. We don't lead with you very often. So. I, I wasn't going to point it out, but it is deeply offensive, and uh, this you know this is just the tiniest step towards making things right. So. Well, it's a step. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to kick us off, uh, I'm going to go with I think what I think what amounts to a really nice bridge card between the last set and this set. Uh, okay. So, ironically, since they are related, yeah, yeah. there there weren't uh, in it, considering that Midnight Hunt was billed as the the werewolf centric set. There weren't a ton of werewolves in the set that I was super enthused about. the uh, The Hunt Master was really kind of the big one, uh, mm-hmm. but this one, all the way uncommon, we were gifted with Child of the Pack, uh, uh, uncommon creature, human werewolf for two generic, a red and a green. It has an activated ability of two generic, a red, and a green to create a 2-2 green wolf creature token. Uh, it also, of course, has Daybound, which is a returning mechanic from the last set. It is a 2-5 on the, on the front face, the Daybound face. Her face shines with youth, youthful innocence. And it's this really kind of like, uh, feels like a Little Red Riding Hood play, which is funny to me because we've yeah. had that before, going back to original <laughs> Innistrad. We had a, a, a send-up of, of Little Red Riding Hood. But it's this girl in a red dress mm-hmm. riding on, on the back of this black wolf. Uh, very nice art. The Nightbound side is Savage Packmate, uh, which is a 5-5 five, five with Trample, and other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero. So I was really kind of taken aback by... Not so much all the werewolves, but the wolf-centric tribal that they kind of shifted into this set versus, 
you know, the werewolves were kind of predominant last set. This one really kind of has more just straight wolf stuff, which I'm really excited about. And this human werewolf is a really great bridge between the two subsets of, of a related tribe. So the ability to kick out multiple wolf creature tokens at instant speed, uh, mm-hmm. granted at a pretty steep cost, but, I mean, that that's a phenomenal oh, yeah. mana sink. Uh, Red, green, you know, Gruul actually has surprising access. You've got Savage Vent Maw. You've got... Uh, the various uh, Rada cards, you know, a lot of a lot of cards that are surprisingly good at making a lot of mana in in red green that could be used to just churn out a bunch of bodies in a hurry at instant speed. And I, I honestly, yeah. I think this is a case where the front face is much more interesting than the back face. Sure, yeah, the back face is just bigger, essentially. It's a bigger body. <laughs> um, it it basically like. The idea would be you would churn out a bunch of tokens and then come up with a way to flip this so that then those tokens get an extra boost to power, uh, yeah. which is good. But, I mean, having a, a reliable mana sink to churn out relevant bodies, because if you're in a wolf tribal deck, there's a lot of good wolf and werewolf lords at this point. So chances mm-hmm. are those are not just two twos. You're probably bringing out three threes, maybe even four fours or bigger. Right, and then you're giving them plus one with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even say wolves. It's just other creatures. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Delightfully yeah. open-ended that way. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, I was, I was also surprised by the amount of werewolf love in this, uh, in this set. You know, it, it definitely makes them feel a lot more related than we thought they were going to be. Like we knew they were related, but because they're both set in Innistrad. And so on, but well, we've we've frequently seen lord creatures that care about both wolves and werewolves. So, like the handful of lords right. that we had even before this set were concerned with both. So they've always kind of established that link, but neither tribe in isolation has been a real focal point in any set going back. I mean, all the way to the beginning, uh, we've always yeah. had wolves, but we very rarely had wolf-centric creatures we've had Mm -hmm. like these random one and the the tragedy has been a lot of them have not been wolves themselves i think back to like uh wolf briar Briar elemental master of the hunt you have creatures that make wolf tokens that are not wolves themselves so they don't really jive with the tribal synergy in that way and so now we finally have a reliable token generator for wolves that is also a werewolf and will benefit from those same lords and that same support suite. Yeah. Yep. Oh, wolves will come up again today for sure. Um, uh, any, any thoughts from you, Chance, on this, this card? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> A stirring it's show all right. of support. <laughs> right. I, there's nothing else to add, really. Like, it's a decent card. It's got a big butt. 2 5. That's pretty big. And it is a 4 drop, but 2 5 is, is, is kind of a hurdle to get over for a lot of earlier decks. Yeah. On that curve. So, it's a solid card. Solid. All right, um, so I'll uh, 
I'll uh, I'll lead us off with number two, and we'll we'll make you the anchor chants tonight. Um, I'm going with a surprise, surprise, a green creature, um, the Cultivator Colossus, which is four green, 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 so a total of seven mana, so four generic and three triple green, um, for a plant beast with uh, star star uh, for the power and toughness. Um, so trample, uh, cultivator colossus power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Uh, this isn't unheard of for green creatures, especially with the star star at the bottom, but also when cultivator colossus enters the battlefield, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. If you do draw a card and repeat the process, this is a fun idea. Of just this card getting stupidly big off of, like, hitting a lot of lands, if you could. Or, if you're in something like a Rurthar deck, and it's almost all lands. <laughs> now, granted, they just remove it, and it's it's whatever. But, it's still, I like the idea of you can potentially sort of combo into pulling out a lot of lands out of your deck. If you, if you can get lucky enough or you build it in such a way or even you know reorder it somehow with some other cards this could this could potentially uh get things going get some lands out of your uh, out of what's going on um and even if you just have like a, a handful of lands you could just keep drawing and repeating the process yeah there's a lot of uh, steam there with you might already have a bunch of hand, lands in hand and pretty much you can make the deck go close to empty or you can be like okay the rest of my hand is spells and i put five lands into play right right it's it's a really cool way to sort of like get lands down um without really you know w without much of a downside aside from because like once as long as this thing hits um as long as it enters the battlefield you're going to get those lands down and out which is cool, and it can be used for other things later on. Unfortunately, they do do come in tapped, so yeah, that's that's the downside to it. But I mean, when you're putting that many lands down, I don't. I think that's a fair drawback. Mm -hmm. It is also good to note that uh, it does have a one card combo with it of abundance, mm -hmm. which is get all the lands out of your deck and put them into play. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. abundance says if you would draw a card, you can say land or non-land, and you reveal until you reveal the type, and that's the card you draw. Mm -hmm. So, a card that's kind of played in some green red stuff, like I have abundance in uh, Barigramos and Rage for obvious reasons, but this is definitely something that goes into that pretty happily. Yeah, I'll I'll say that. So so my appreciation for this card was dimmed a little just because, you know, it's been a, a pretty regular talking point, not just with us here, but with a lot of content creators about, you know, recent sets. The the generic power level of green mythics has been pretty pretty pushed. And so mm -hmm. I think without that, th this at least feels powerful in a way that is genuinely green. And I do appreciate that. Um I think probably one of the neater interactions would be with uh, the bounce lands because then you can basically kind of set yourself up and guarantee that you're hitting that trigger multiple mm -hmm. times. Um, it It's a neat card. 
but I will say my my appreciation for it was definitely kind of dim just because we're you know we're there's there's two other pretty stout green mythics in this set already and mm-hmm. and we're coming off a long line of really uh really stacked green mythics yeah but but green is good uh, you, so so you know so you know the revelation that I've had uh, and like I I this was kind of my my card to moan about in a Modern Masters two was was guys will infringing on mm-hmm. uh, Yog Will's territory uh, and I think mm-hmm. I think I remember reading in some articles at the time you know like Mark Rosewater is a known green advocate green is his color like he has namesake cards already like Marrow. Uh, Multani, Marrow Sorcerer, like he has namesake mm-hmm. cards in green. So the fact that we keep getting reliably stupid, powerful green mythics with Mark at the helm, uh, I can't. You know, there's a little bit of salt creeping in. Yeah, uh, it's been a it's been a theme with you for a while now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Unsurprised. Well, but, when you I mean, when your head designer is like green is my favorite color, and then we're consistently getting really powerful green cards, and it's like, okay, guy, maybe uh, maybe let some of the other colors shine a little bit. <laughs> not blue. Just don't let it. be Oh blue. well, no. Nobody in their right mind would say let blue shine. Blue gets to shine anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, I don't know. I think the the only color that really ends up lacking a lot of the time is white. I think oh, that yeah. m- maybe red, maybe red could get a boost here and there. I well, think black does pretty well in 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 the I mean, so, so someone's got to talk about Toxreel today, right? Someone is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, as an avowed as an avowed mono black purist. Uh, mm-hmm. like I'm very satisfied with the general power. Like, obviously I had my critiques about Orcus and whatnot in, in the, in the adventure in the forgotten realm set. And I have right. plenty of critiques. Like I got my, but they're typically more aligned with when I see other colors doing what black is supposed to do. That's when I get pissed. Um, mm-hmm. I'm generally pretty happy with most of the black cards that we get, you know, obviously every once in a while there'll be one that I wish was a little bit more souped up, uh, a little bit more competitive, Red suffers in comparison to the others in Commander, but Red has always been very powerful in constructed formats. So yes. I don't feel like Red lags quite the same as White. Like, I agree with you completely. White absolutely gets the shaft almost uniformly across the board. But Red at least has its arenas where it is really, really good. Uh, Commander is definitely kind of warped around green, black, and blue. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I actually got to play Commander for the first time in months uh, this past week, so that was nice. It actually wasn't terrible. <laughs> I actually had fun. So much fun, you nice. decided to make a podcast about it. <laughs> right? Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, to be fair, I, I don't play as much Magic as I used to because of the card shop, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the card shop that we're at is just... It's butts. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just not been it's not been great playing there. It's not been great interacting with them. You know, we talk about it, you know, outside of the podcast quite often. Oh yeah. Uh, actually. Uh, and you know I'm um, the last person you have to convince, so Right. And it's just uh so and as as Charles here is the only one that regularly goes to that shop to play magic, um, simply so he can play commander. Um 
you know, you still have your complaints there too, Chance. Like, I mean, I don't want to drag them through the mud on our podcast, but uh, there's reasons why we don't play there. There's reasons why we don't get to play, you know, <laughs> and they're they're pretty valid. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah, it was uh, Cultivator Colossus. Uh, I'm I'm always a big fan of like star star creatures. Um, I would say one of my favorite one early cards that I used to have was uh, the Mortivore. The one that was like equal to the creatures in, I think it's just your graveyard. It's a star star. Uh, Nightmare, of course, which is like swamps, stuff like that. I've always, I've always liked the, the variable power and toughness creatures. Yeah. I have a soft spot for the, uh, for the creatures whose power and toughness is equal to cards in hand. But I also like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, for, for all the shit I was talking earlier, uh, Multani Marrow Sorcerer is one of my favorites, and I believe he's one whose uh, power and toughness is equal to lands in play. Right. Right. And that's just that's just a very green mechanic, too, equal to yeah. lands. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. very pure and true to the color. I just wish it wasn't yep. you know, diluted by other generically powerful mythics in green. That's just me. Hey, uh, green <laughs> and blue... Have one less mythic, at least in the monocolor slot, than the other colors this time around. So yeah, we're we are back to back sets with four black mythics apiece. Uh, you know, I can't I can't say too much. It is in a stride. I would I would feel it would be odd yeah. to not have a yeah. It, black actually, I do focus. have actually I do have one super gripe. Uh, uh, yeah. you know, I talked about the one in the last set. Uh, eight black mythics and only one of them a demon, and none of them legendary. So, um, it's not a demon plane, though, really. But I mean, this the plane that gave us Grizzlebrand, arguably the most iconic demon in Magic. Oh yeah, very disappointing. Oh yeah, you're saying you're saying the demons aren't legendary. I was like, I'm looking right here. We got a legendary vampire and a slug. So yeah, no, but no, you're no, mean no, the demons. no legendary yeah. mythic demons. Gotcha. Are you sure? Uh, I think he might. Okay, he's a vampire noble. Never mind. Yeah, no. the guy yeah. in the uh, commander decks. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, he's red yeah. black anyway. Oh, you're thinking of Timothar, the Lord of Bats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's black. Nope, he's a vampire. Yeah. But hey, there's some spicy black cards, and oh yeah, yeah. I'm not I... saying that. I'm just always advocating for more mythic black demons. Since since Grizzlebrand isn't legal in Commander, I need like that really juicy Mythic Black Demon. Ooh. Did you guys seriously not pick this card? Not pick what card? Holy cow. Dreadfast Demon? Did no mm. one pick that? Dreadfeast mm-hmm. is one of my alternates. It's it's good. Oh. It, it, it's good. You know, we, we can certainly talk about it if you want. I'm happy to. But uh it, Okay, well, since no one picked it, this card's freaking amazing. Turn your, all your creatures into six sixes? Come on. Slowly. I mean, Slowly. still. Yeah. It also has the, like, at the end of your end, next, many of your end steps, sacrifice a non-demon creature if you do create a copy of it. Like, so eventually, you're only allowed <clears throat> to have him and demons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not the bad that they're six six flyers, but... Didn't even give him trample, though. 
very disappointing. <laughs> oh no, the six six <laughs> flying a... demon for seven that makes every creature you control at least a six six demon with flying doesn't have trample. I don't Vast. see I this don't vampire see... set not giving me mythic power demons with trample. Mm. I don't see pay, <laughs> I don't see pay six life draw six cards. So I mean it's it's not you know. That would be a fixed grizzle brand. Why can't I have that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Didn't you complain okay. about Asmodeus? Like, <laughs> ah, Asmodeus was just—he's not even—he's a devil. He doesn't even count, and he wasn't missing. His ability is so close, though. <laughs> nah, no. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. What's your first one, Chance? We're gonna go to Chandra, dressed to kill. Uh, one red red for a legendary planeswalker Chandra starts with three loyalty plus one add one red mana Chandra dressed to kill deals one damage to up to one target player or planeswalker another plus one exile the top card of your library if it's red you may cast it this turn cast it specifically not play it minus yeah. seven exile the top five cards of your library you may cast a red spell from among them this turn you get an emblem with whenever you cast a red spell this emblem deals x damage to any target or X is the amount of mana spent to cast the spell. Yeah. I mostly chose the card because I really love the borderless art. Okay, that was gonna, uh, that was actually going to be my question: was which art are we discussing? Because I, I will say one of the things I feel like I noticed in this set was a much bigger gap between the standard art and the and the specialty arts compared you know, to the, previous. The standard sets. art feels like a panel and a rushed comic. Yes. Like the detail level is just not what I would think for dress to kill. It and then you has, hover almost, over it and look at it and it's just just elegant crazy dress. And of course the the schmirk she has in that art is a little funny too, but Oh yeah. No, it is right. the, the borderless is gorgeous. Oh yeah. So much so I took the endeavor of being like, you know what? It's a red card. It's a three mana red planeswalker that adds mana and potentially draws cards. Like this is going to be expensive. I'm not even going to play the game. I'm going to pre-order it now, and we're bored of the borderless one now. And yeah, three one place mana I went fifty dollars outside of Tybalt is spicy. Another and place I went mind, forty, and then bear in I mind, find it for eighteen. I am deeply, deeply disappointed to see Chandra yet again because we have had tons upon tons of Chandra. So that being said, it's a damn good looking card. Who else are we going to have? Anyone. Fucking anyone. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm tired of the freaking Gatewatch in general. Like, I don't want to see Chandra okay. or Jace. I, if it means I don't get to see Liliana for like 10 sets, I'm okay with that too. Uh, well, we don't have Liliana here, do we? I don't think nope. we do. No, no. Set. Well, but, but we just got Liliana in, in, a, in the last couple yeah. sets. We got her in Strixhaven, this yeah. Professor Onyx. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I'm just the the core the core five. I'm just uh, I want a nice healthy break from all of them. Well, being interrupted by both of you aside, sorry, I, I took a journey to purchase this, and I felt good about finding it for under twenty dollars. I think that's pretty solid for the uh, the yeah. borderless. Thinking, you know, it seems pretty good. It adds mana. It can kind of draw cards. It kind of gives you a weird win condition. I like that the emblem tracks the mana you spend so it's not just oh ooh, i oopsie day uh a 10 drop off of omniscience or something i deal 10 like yeah. you can't do that to mm-hmm. kill someone but you can be like 
we're going to fireball, and the fireball is going to deal double. <laughs> she's she's one of these ones that kind of throws back to a... Is it Sarkhan Unbound, the one from Dragons of Tarkir? Where, like... Sarkhan something. I think it's Sarkhan Unbound, because uh, he's mm-hmm. the he's the uh, the teamer. He, he's red, mm-hmm. red, green, and blue. Uh, mm-hmm. And, like, his generic plus one just adds a mana and draws you a card... And it's like, if he does nothing else, you're going to feel totally fine with that. And same mm-hmm. with her. Like, if you did nothing but just use her first plus one to add a red every turn and ping something, you're feeling great. Like, And then all right. her other abilities are just pure gravy. I do think it, unfortunately, it fails the it protects itself clause of being a good planeswalker. But I do think two modes for plus one really kind of covers up some of that weakness, especially when you you expect to be the aggressor playing this, I would hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not all great planeswalkers need to protect themselves, though. Well, specifically in Commander, I think that's valid, because I think in Commander you're more likely to already have a board state capable of protecting a planeswalker. Like, that, that, to me, that metric is more restricted to standard. Oh, I think that's completely different in Commander. It's... Is it powerful enough that people hate it? It's gonna die. You can't do anything about it. There's sure, but so so then I think that I think the I think the statement stands that it doesn't matter that it doesn't have a means to protect itself in commander. Right. I I think you'll hit one player once and then they'll make it. It's going their goal to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> That's just I, vindictive commander people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it does draw cards too, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean any. I mean, I try to kill any planeswalker, even if they are a little dirtly. It potentially draws personally. cards, but but I feel like so. So, do you like it enough for mono red? Because that's really the only time that you can feel good about consistently using that alternate plus one. I could play it in up to two colors pretty happily. Three would for me would be dicey without top deck manipulation. Mm-hmm. But she is one of those planeswalkers that yeah, even if you doubling season her, she doesn't threaten ulting immediately, but she has one of those, if you're kind of controlling the game, just getting extra mana every turn from her. She has one of those weird emblems that's like, no matter how this shakes out, unless you're constantly hexproofing yourself, you're gonna die to the emblem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the can, emblem is, is very You can dangerous. tap your 20 mana late game, cast a spell that gets countered, but there's still a trigger to deal 20 damage to something. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, it was a it was a good first pick. Um, Matt, what's your second one? All right, number two. So after all that shit that I talked about green, we are gonna stay yeah. green. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna talk about Ava Brook Caretaker, another pushed green mythic. Uh, Ava Brook Caretaker costs four generic and two green for another human werewolf at Mythic. Uh, it's a four-four with hexproof. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put two plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control. Has daybound, of course. If you mm-hmm. flip it to the nightbound side, you get Hollowhenge Huntmaster, uh, which is a six-six werewolf with hexproof and other permanents you control. 
have hex proof. At the beginning of combat mm-hmm. on your turn, put two plus one plus one counters on each creature you control. So this is that rare werewolf for me that I like in like regardless of the fact that it's a werewolf. I I like the idea if it was just the face and you play this four four hexproof creature that just sits on the battlefield and lets you slowly tack on counters to to whatever creature. I mean, to me, it's a great enabler for uh, Voltron strategies, which I'm always a fan of. Um, and the fact that it you know it, it's this reliable means of kind of pumping whatever creature is most important to your board state at the time, uh, while also being you know not viable as a target unless unless your opponents are just wiping the board uh, to get rid of it. And then if by some chance you're able to get it flipped over, which if you're not running a werewolf deck, eh, debatable if you get to enjoy the other side, but I I think the face is is plenty good enough on its own. If you manage to flip it to the nightbound side, I I love like archetype of endurance. I love those blanket hex proof effects. So, and then the fact that then it starts pumping your entire board is just mm-hmm. bananas. It's a it's a pretty wild card, right? It's Not, very good. I mean, even if we look at this as like comparing to archetype, archetype costs two more mana, protects your creatures, and this protects everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. This, yeah, you're yeah, forget you're it right. outside of <laughs> that. It's bigger. For less mana on that face. <laughs> yeah. And right. it puts counters like... Oh, gosh. Decimator of Provinces is like the only kind of similar effect. The Just this turn, plus two, plus two, the, the Eldrazi Bore. Yeah, yep. So, like, we... Maybe not necessarily completely unprecedented pump ability, but... We're like Archangel of Thune levels of nonsense as far as board growing. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then, com- like yeah, I said, it's... combining that with the hexproof is is just wild. I, I love it because I I like hexproof a lot. I think it's a very important keyword for the game. Yep. Do you like it's the art? Really quite good a bit. one. Kind of seeing the lasso around the dog on the front, and then the pedal lasso is kind of broken apart on the backside. Yeah. Yeah. I like how the moon's all drippy. <laughs> well, yeah, the tentacle's right. coming out. Mm-hmm. The drippy moon. It's a good art. It's very good art. Um, on both ends, too. It's like, oh, nice and peaceful. All right, night, time to fuck shit up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I like. Uh, so is Hollow Henge a place? That's something I'm missing because there's uh, a couple of Hollow. I feel like it's something I've come across before. There's another card that I'm going to be talking about that that, that mentions Hollow Henge as well. Yeah, I think that might be a place. I I think that's probably a pretty safe assumption. Yeah. Um, I'm not as uh, familiar with. Uh, Magic lore. I, I, it, it, to me, it sounds like it would be somewhere near Averbrook because <laughs> Averbrook's a town, mm-hmm. right? And then Hollowhenge. 
Is Hollowhenge maybe like the forest or the wildlands outside of Averbrook? Probably. I that would be my guess. Get us get at yeah. us in the comments. Straighten us out. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So a rook caretaker. Um my number two today is actually a black card. You and I are switching. Something is not right with the world. I mean, I, I talk about black cards at times. <laughs> where where is it? Where holy crap we can't find it's called uh, Gift of Fangs. There we go. Uh, it's a common. Uh, <laughs> Gift of Fangs for a single swamp. That's it. Enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchant creature gets 2-2 two, two, as long as it's a vampire. Otherwise, it gets minus 2, minus 2. I like this situational enchantment. Because a lot of times when you're enchanting your own creatures, you're like, okay, I just need to buff this, buff this. But if there's a problematic creature that it's hard to get over, I like the idea of giving it to that as well. Unless they're a vampire. Um, and I also like that the Gift of Fangs, the name, is is fun. Because it, it's, it's, yes, the Gift of Fangs would be good for a vampire, but bad for a not-vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the double meaning behind the card, too. And I, I just, I found this one amusing, mostly. I do like the... Um, the art was very symmetrical and sort of like trippy as well. Just the default one. At, um, a, at a glance, I would have pegged this for some Seb McKinnon art. It kind of has that ritual kind of tapestry mm-hmm. vibe to it that some of his work does. Um, yeah. But it's not Seb McKinnon, but it is very neat art. Uh, Dominic Meyer. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's great art. Um, I like just the double meaning of Gift of Fangs because it's just it just works fairly well. Um, it's a card that stood out to me, not because I'd probably play it a lot, uh, but th- I'd probably play this in Standard if I was playing a Vampire deck. Um, I'm not sure if I would play a Vampire deck in Standard, but um, I like it. It's just, there's something about this card that just speaks to me like, yeah. I, I, I like this, even though it's not like the best card that we're going to talk about today. It's probably one of the worst ones we're going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> but considering, you know, enchantments aren't normally that great, but, you mm-hmm. know, because that two two for one deal a lot of the time. But, I mean, you could treat it as removal as well if it's a small enough creature. Or even, so, even shrinking a, a bigger creature. Right. Yeah, even just shrinking helps a lot. I mean, you're, so, you're pretty apt to trick people with an attack with a 2-2, they block with a 4-4, post-combat shrink it, it dies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is very reminiscent of Bonds of Faith. We had a like pacifism that was one in a white in the previous sets. Yeah. And yeah. instead if it was a human, it got 2-2. So it's nice to kind of see that vibe used again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest... Cause, cause you're, I think you're spot on, Cham. The, uh, just the the versatility angle, the fact that you could run this in a vampire deck and be able to reliably provide a pretty significant boost to one of your vampires if you need that, or to shrink and or kill one of your opponent's creatures. Uh, that that extra versatility is you really can't underrate that. Uh, no, the yeah. the biggest 
drawback is that vampire is a common enough creature type and there are enough just generically good vampires that go into non-vampire tribal decks. I could see situations like, you know, any any aristocrats deck is going to be running blood artist and you would probably, this would be like a great candidate to get rid of blood artist other than the fact that the way it works is just going to make their blood artist bigger. (laughs) So that right. to me, that's the only situation where you run into a potential feel, feel bad is you just have enough good vampire cards that don't belong exclusively in vampire tribal. And you're just like, oh, if that wasn't a vampire, I could totally get rid of that. <laughs> yeah, no. And because of that, it is indeed situational. Yeah. But if you're the one playing the blood artist, that's a good card. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, so Chance, what's your second one? We're going to go to a sad place and go to Audric Bloodcursed. Um, one, okay. a red and a white for legendary creature, vampire soldier, 3-3. Three, three. And then we've got a massive text box. <laughs> when Audric Bloodcursed enters the battlefield, create X blood tokens or X of the number of abilities among... Flying, First Strike, Double Strike, Death Touch, Haste, Hexproof, Indestructible, Lifelink, Menace, Reach, Trample, and Vigilance, found among creatures you control. <sighs> Parentheses. Count each ability only once. So, for those listed abilities, you go yes or no on all those abilities. Every time you say yes, you get a blood. Mm-hmm. Which, it's kind of cool that Audric still is caring about Keyword Soup. But it's yes. so sad that he's a vampire, and he obviously has lost part of the fight being the our lovely front runner soldier at times. Mm-hmm. I mostly just want to pick on him <laughs> because okay. Eh? Like I my my super important cares about keywords no longer is it propagating keywords. It's here's a ton of blood. Yay! <laughs> mm-hmm. It just feels like underwhelming like it feels like an insult along with the fact that he got turned into a vampire it's just it's just sad i i do think i i hate blood a little more than i should because a discard outlet could be really good could be really necessary but i do think we were kind of oversold with the idea that blood tokens were kind of in the realm of food treasure and clues i think it clearly stands as the fourth place hat yeah yeah if nothing else, mm. just it's the only one that costs you mana and you have to tap it. Like, treasure tapped to sack, yeah, gold was a problem. So we fixed gold and made treasure. But mm-hmm. clues not tapping to sacrifice, food not tapping to sacrifice. Yeah, the combination of adding, discarding a card as part of the cost, tapping becomes very unnecessary. And, and I can dig you maybe want to discard some cards. But I think a lot of the stuff that's like, ooh, blood doesn't seem bad because of these things, and I'll talk about a card later, but I think blood intrinsically is a little disappointing, but the synergy stuff seems good. Yeah. Yeah, and I could see long-term them giving us enough blood payoffs to to make it go. Um, I will share your sentiments, Chance, when I saw uh, Odric or Audric I don't know which is the proper pronunciation. Right. 
but when I saw him revealed, because obviously Odric is very near and dear to me, because he's a as a human soldier, you know, his two previous incarnations have both made appearances in decks that my brother plays, you know, who mm-hmm. is a big fan of Boros. So the fact that we finally got a Boros Odric initially, I was super stoked. But this is a recurring trend with vampires, I've noticed, is that creatures that are vampires, the vampire super type overrides whatever their other type happens to be. So mm-hmm. they made him a vampire, which, you know, tragic and all that. I could kind of dig that from a story perspective, the fallen hero. Uh, but the fact that, you know, after being a very staunchly soldier tribal keyword soup based creature for the last two iterations that we've seen to get one that now technically doesn't even care about being a vampire, but only cares about the new vampire centric mechanic of blood. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. the, and the non-bow that that is with his previous incarnations. Because the idea of running like Odric Tribal, oh, mm, would be so delicioso. And, but the, this guy doesn't go in, he doesn't go in any soldier deck. None. Mm-mm. Uh, very, very, dis- and the fact that they gave him no keywords at all, very doubly disappointing. Sure. I mean, yeah. they they kept his theme. I just think they shot a little too low. Oh, way too low. I, I I don't know what it should have been. Like, I guess if it could have been something weird, like uh, choose between blood and vampire tokens, a number of tokens no greater than that, or something. Yeah. You know? So or, at least you make some bodies or something, but or, or or even a mechanism for like giving him some of the keywords that. You know, like you sacrifice a blood token and he gains your choice of one of the keywords or something. You know, I, I realize that can be difficult to track, but something like that, something to make him, I mean, just a vanilla 3-3 that potentially requires you to have a pretty robust board state to even make a, a reasonable number of blood tokens. And then, I mean, if right, you make two, in, you're probably fine in most situations, but yeah, yeah. you're not going to like, if this is your commander, you're not casting this when he makes two, you're... You're you're trying to get your eight, I think it is. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. reasonable. But even with that, they're just blood tokens. <laughs> like, yeah, uh... <laughs> yeah. Very sad. Can you imagine, like, if we back this up several sets? He's not a vampire. He's some other character, and this is treasure. This is a crazy oh, card. Yeah, yeah. It's food. It's passable. Yep. Clues. Right. I'd, I'd be into it if it was clues, but oh hell yeah. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I think you just don't like blood tokens. I think I'm down on blood tokens. And he, he's not even yeah. black. Like we don't even have the generic like reanimation colors. We have some reanimation stuff. Definitely commander in red and white. It's like maybe that's where he unfortunately fits. You play some <laughs> utility creatures with keywords so you can get yeah. him into play. Get a handful of blood and then all of these like bomby creatures that you can draw. You can now pitch to make sure you can reanimate them with your like scrap mastery and like maybe that's an angle maybe that'd actually be kind of interesting but i got the i got the feeling that they were trying to kind of nudge the mardu vampires because that was where you know edgar markov started Mm -hmm. but but it's just it's just not there Hmm. okay all right odric the blood cursed Dud. The blood curse <laughs> disappointment. 
the dud All right. cursed. Odric the dud cursed. The dud cursed. Odric the dud cursed. All right. Uh, so Matt, what's your what's your third one tonight? All right, number three. I'm sliding over to the uh, commander precons for this set, and a new okay. card called Predator's Hour. Uh, one generic and a black for a sorcery at rare, which in a commander precon means absolute dog shit. Uh, until end of turn, creatures you control gain menace, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library face down. You may look at and play that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So that's a lot of text uh, to basically describe Gaunty Lord of Luxury's Enter the Battlefield trigger. Um, mm-hmm. I, ju- I just think this is a really neat tool for black to gain. Uh, so, I mean, mm-hmm. several several sets back, they basically made the, the decision that Menace is kind of the, the go-to keyword for black. So a, a Menace anthem, if you will... Uh, for one turn to give you, you know, give your creatures the ability to be difficult to block. Um, yeah. With this, with this upside of, so it gives them the evasion that hopefully they need to be able to punch through and get some damage in. And then, depending on the number of creatures that you're able to connect with, I mean, man, if you stack that against one player, you're really hurting somebody. Uh, but if you're able to kind of spread the love around a little bit and hit each player at the table. That that's maybe the biggest drawback to this is this is one of those kind of feel bad cards because consistently effects that steal cards from other players are viewed you know the most negatively, mm-hmm. but as a as a source of like incidental card advantage, I, I really like the balance of like just giving your whole board menace could be useful on its own just for punching damage through, but if that's all it did, it would be a little lackluster. The fact that you then get to exile these cards and potentially utilize some of your opponent's resources later to your benefit, uh, and, and the fact that that hangs around the whole game, like you, you know, maybe you just exile and get lucky and get rid of their counter spell or a big bomb, you know, their combo piece. Uh, I know there's probably ways to manipulate the top of your opponent's deck, so you can kind of manipulate what you're exiling and get rid of something really critical to how their deck functions that slows them down. Uh, there's potentially some some real feel bads with this card, but I I just I think it's very very versatile for what it is and at an incredibly reasonable cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, you have these creatures like breaches and stuff that already do a similar thing, and I definitely can see this being like, well, now we're adding evasion and really doubling down on this effect. This would be something that I would be really interested in one of these with blue and red like heavy spell decks mm-hmm. you just have mm-hmm. a few creatures that maybe are naturally unblockable and you're like okay we're gonna do this <laughs> and copy it seven times oh god <laughs> <laughs> well you never knew meal could feel so dirty oh man <laughs> to, to me this is like this is like giving almost not quite but almost giving galta's ability to your whole board temporarily <laughs> like Galta casts it for free and it's everyone uh, on the table, but like having multiple instances of that, if you're especially Galta. swinging wide, that'd be great. Do you mean Gaunty? 
No. Wait. Not Galta. Galta? Galta. The, the, the Spinosaurus. The dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah, the dinosaur that when it hits a uh, when it hits an opponent. You know, oh, a, it's just an attack. No, that's a. Oh that, yeah, an attack trigger. That's yeah. that's a tally. Yeah, he's, a tally. He's there you go. The red, the red one. Yep. Ga- yes. Galt is just the big green Tyrannosaurus. Just the big. Like, yeah, 12. you hear you hear Galta more than you hear Atali. Yeah, yeah. Kept. Um, Sorry, I've so, yeah, Atali. It's like almost like an Atali trigger. It's not as uh, it's not as I don't know good because you don't have to hit, um, and also you still have to be able to play it. But I mean, you can play it at any time too. Oh yeah. Um, which is a big advantage. It's like having, you know, not really a second hand, but you know, access to cards outside of your hand, which yeah. is always decent. I do well, like the exiles face down too, like. Don't know yeah, what it is. doesn't even Maybe tell you. But I know. <laughs> so yeah, this gives me the situations when you're like, you exile something, you look at the card, you kind of know what the person's deck is, you try not to chuckle. Later, they cast demonic tutor. They're looking through their deck. Five <laughs> seconds, in, five minutes later, that's what predators are exiled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep, I like it. Um, it's a good one. Very cheap for that that effect too. And the yeah. problem is, uh, I'd want multiple instances of this, but I mean, it's not too hard to buy something back out of the graveyard, especially in black. So yeah, I mean, this card is probably fine. One like getting one trigger, and you're like, oh, I just need something else. My hand doesn't work. If you get right. two triggers, I think you're you're pretty good. Anything beyond that, this is overperforming. Sure. Yeah. It, is, it is basically drawing cards that can't be a t- hand attacked out of you. But oh, yeah. Especially the more, for, the better. Especially for two mana. Yeah. And like you said, Chance, especially like in a Grixis deck or something, if you if you build it to take advantage of small, low-to-the-ground unblockables, woof. It's, yeah. good, it's a good response. There's a werewolf on the card, too. <laughs> I do really like the art. Yeah. I mean, over it's overall, the the art in this set's really, really top shelf, really good stuff. But you know, certain cards just are going to strike you better than others. And uh, mm-hmm, sure. I like the the simplicity, the the werewolf and silhouette, the spirits, and then you see the bats up by the moon. All the predators mm-hmm. have been astrad out prowling. Yep. Um. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll move on to my third, uh, and it's actually an artifact and I don't talk about artifacts a ton cause I don't really play a lot of artifacts deck out inside the, that draft we did. Uh, we, we did like a, uh, a commander draft for a little while. It didn't live very long, but I played an artifact deck in that. Um, anyways, foreboding statue for three for a one, two, uh, construct artifact creature. Uh, tap add any one mana uh, any one add one mana of any color uh, put an omen counter on foreboding statue at the beginning of your end step if there are three or more omen counters on foreboding statue untap it and then transform it which then it flips over to a five five and it says the beginning of your cream pre-combat main phase add one mana of any color I like the idea that this mana rock, just erupts out of the ground 
and just, just starts kicking stuff in. And it still gives you a mana, and you don't have to tap it. A lot of mana rocks that become a thing, you still have to tap them for the mana. This just gives you the mana. Like, here you go. Now it's all 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the idea of this card a lot. Obviously, there are better things to play in this slot, especially in Commander, but um, I like it. I like it a lot. I like it as a as a mana rock that can swing eventually. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would probably play it in something, honestly. And it can still attack if you want it to. So if you don't need the mana. Yeah, I feel like the natural comparison here is with the Mystic Skull from the last set, which yeah. was one less mana to get into play, but then required you to spend mana. Basically, it was mana filtering, not not a true mana rock. Uh, you had to pay right. mana to tap it to add something of any color, and then you had to pay frickin' five to transform it. You got a slightly larger body. You got a five-six... Uh, that gave lands you control tap to add one, so it gave you better fixing on your lands. But yeah, between the two, I feel especially both at uncommon. I feel like there's no comparison. I'd way rather play foreboding statue than than the other one. Yeah, and it's just good for like a like if you just like if you run like a three drop mana rock in your deck. I feel this is a pretty good replacement. The only problem is uh, mana rocks usually aren't going to die to creature removal whereas this could um yeah but you three know drop it's is not a battlefield do what three drop mana rocks is like where there's the most and he probably yeah. is not quite there but someone who wants to benefit from it being a creature i can see it being used yeah I don't know. I'd probably run it over a couple of the ones that I have in some decks, honestly. But that's just me. I play bad cards. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the uh, the idea of it, too. It's just like, wow, what's this statue? And it just erupts out of the ground. And you're like, holy crap! <laughs> no! <laughs> I, I just like it. I like it. It gives me an Iron Giant vibe, too. The, the art. Like a... Uh, like a bronze iron giant. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just, I just, another one just caught my eye that I really enjoy. Um, mana rocks that can kill. There you go. That's, that's, that's the theme for this one. I can dig it. Not much to say on it though. It's pretty self-explanatory. It just gives you mana and can swing for five. Um, any other thoughts on it? Or we'll just move on. Yeah, no, it's good. Solid. Okay. Uh, Johns, number three. We're going to go to a blue common. It is Wretched Throng. One in a blue for a 2-1 creature zombie horror. When a Wretched Throng dies, you may search your library for a card named Wretched Throng, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle. Eh, I don't care about that. What I care about is... The flavor text of Oh No, Oh No, Oh No, Oh No, again, Belstad, Cathar Recruit. Last words, because it is a zombie barfing a zombie that's barfing a zombie. <laughs> is, this yep. the, is this the same artist 
that did your one from the last set with the the horrible bird with the weird face? I don't know. Uh, so Philip Bird Birduran. Uh, goodness gracious, it's gonna be hard. Oh, he did. Um, nope. Uh, looks like he, it's a different guy. Yeah, this. He is did the aggressive. He did the aggressive mammoth. It just kind of it gives me similar vibes when I see it. Like you said, a zombie. I get you. A zombie. <laughs> it, it. He did. Um. He did the mammoth that gives everything trample. Oh, that's okay. cool. Um. I mean, so. functionally, I don't think it matters that much. It's a two-one zombie. Like it'll matter for the blue-black zombie stuff, mm-hmm. but. It really just stuck out to me because that art and kind of giggling at the flavor text and honestly, Cham's older daughter opening the card with me and having a very entertaining reaction. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cece uh, does not enjoy zombies and she opened that one. And it was pretty good. <laughs> she likes being scared, but zombies are too far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it is. Still trying to get her to watch Jurassic Park. She just won't do it. It is unfortunate. I mean, it's definitely a, a solid Nambo and Commander. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm only other seeing one other art, uh, Magic card he's done, and it's that aggressive mammoth. Huh. huh. But that was just looking at his art station page. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. It's a good it's a good art. I love it a lot. I well, that was one of the ones when he was opening cards. Like, okay, I got to see this. What? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um All right, so number 4, Matt. All right, and much to my eternal shame, uh we're back in green. This was just a a strong set for green and for green cards yeah. that I was interested in. So it's very upsetting for me. I'm not proud. Uh, we have Uvenwald Oddity. Two generic and two green for a 4-4 beast at rare. It has trample and haste because, of course, it does. Uh, it also mm-hmm. has an activated ability of five generic and two green to transform Uvenwald Oddity. Flavor text on the front side says, Obviously it's dangerous, but I've never seen anything like it. This could be an entirely new species. I say we follow it. Uh, Attributed to Halana Kessig Ranger, who is also in this set with her partner. And then it transforms into Ulvenwald Behemoth, a beast horror, which is an 8-8 with trample and haste, so twice the size. And other creatures you control get plus one plus one and have trample and haste. And then flavor text on the back side says, We've learned enough. I say we run. Attributed to Alina, <laughs> the other half of Halana and Alina, Kessig Ranger and Trapper. So, and the really, it's the art that pulled me in because it's a moose bear. Uh, yep. <laughs> and then the, the flip side is a moose bear with, a, with an Eldrazi mouth in the stomach uh, and tentacles and all that good shit. Um, yeah. But... Uh, to that end, like my biggest disappointment with the card is the fact that they didn't make it like a bear elk beast, like a little bit of of uh, Ikoria throwback. Give us a few extra super types to get us there. 
Like you, you could have made this a bear elk beast and nobody would have batted an eye and it would have been phenomenal because then it could have gone in bear tribal decks, which, you know, they always need a little extra help. Hmm. But I mean, a, a four, four trample haste for four is rock solid. That's perfectly good. Yes. Even in commander on its own. And then if you're, and then once you've got enough mana to trigger it to flip, getting an anthem effect with two relevant keywords for all your other creatures. Uh, I mean, right. to me, it kind of, uh, I mean, obviously it's not going to be Craterhoof Behemoth, but if you look at it, like if you play it and flip it the same turn, you're talking 11 mana. That's a lot of mana. Yeah. It, it, yeah. 11 mana. Um, but I think in the right deck, that would be very doable. And you're still going to be getting something similar. Again, just the fact that everything can swing this turn. You're giving everything a boost. Granted, it's not plus 5, plus 5, but you are giving it the, the ability to trample over if it doesn't already have trample. Uh, it's just a really solid card on its own. And then the art, for me, just really puts it over the top. Kind of makes me wish it was more like a cow. Because <laughs> looking at it more, it definitely looks like demonic udders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, demonic with the, with udders. The <laughs> I mean, I do Why definitely is like it squirting blood. Yeah, it's like the uh, you stand up and you have a horrible belly buddy, and it's a nice like horror aspect that we don't see a lot of like true horror here because we have so much of the the theming towards the specific tribes. Yeah. Yeah. I will say it's uh it's nice to have green have haste. A lot of times you have to go in red to get something like that. <laughs> Laughs in questing beast. Yeah. Yeah, I think we all three were going to talk about this one if someone didn't pick it up mm-hmm. because uh, like this is just an interesting card. Um, it's going to be hard to sort of get this to stick around if you're playing this on curve, but. Um, it's a threat. <laughs> yeah. It's a threat if it's sticking around. Yeah, and they I'll, will have to answer it. And maybe that's both the pro and the con, because I mean, the blowout is going to be like you play it and they see it and they know it's coming, and they just hold back and sandbag until you try to activate and transform it, and then they get rid of it, and then you sunk that all that extra mana into it. That's where the feel bad's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Heck, if I put this in Gyrus, which I don't, I'm not sure if I would, but it'd be an alternate to the getting um, anger in the graveyard for haste. Which yeah, Gyrus really needs. Yeah, I, I think you have better plans. Yeah, I'm just saying it's a little bit of a high cost to get there, but I think the same, the similar pattern, like you. We have the extra finale devastations. Like you can just use the finale if you want a finale. True. I think he does things in like this environment, like especially sealed. And he's gonna have friends that are just better at what he does. But I think he is an interesting art piece, an interesting kind of character that works in his environment. And eh, not everything matters in Commander. Mhm. I still like the 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 
innate haste that it gives though that is very good and innate trample too like both of those keywords are very sought after in green so he does he does a he does a solid job all right uh so that was your number four right mm-hmm. all right my number four is easy to talk about because we're just going to talk about the art um, and it's the black and white lands. I think these are amazing. Um, obviously we know what lands are. They're just, you know, forest tap for green island tap for blue, yada, yada. I don't think we need to explain what those are. So specifically the, you're talking about the eternal night basics. Yep. Okay. The art on these is exquisite. Um, it's not a lot of times where I'm just like, oh, you know, I like this. I, most of the time I'll like one in particular when we do full arts and that kind of stuff. I think all of these are very fantastic. Everything from like the vampire castle and the mountain to like the just the, like the very detailed fetid swamps, uh, the island that is the sort of like uh, waterfall into a big ravine as well as a shipwrecked like crags even the plains you know which are like the the light and look at these just barren wastelands but even one of them supposed to have like sunlight peeking through and it still looks terrible <laughs> honestly the sun if it's the one you're, you're talking about where the sun's kind of coming down and there's like these yeah. candles it really makes me think of a spider web the way yeah. the light is shaped coming out like almost it's like yeah. You thought it was the sunlight. No, it's a glowing spider from the heavens coming to eat you. Like, everything's still <laughs> awful. <laughs> right. And, heck, I'm, and I can't tell really well because the picture's small, but one of the forests looks like the tree is just crawling away almost. Like, it, it's just like the roots look very animated and very creepy. Um, and both of them. Like, all, all of the arts for these are, are just amazing. Um like anytime they do these special kind of lands, obviously people look after them, you know, and they get a little more expensive what they are, but I could see these ones being staples. Like I could see these ones being like, Hey, did you get these lands? Holy cow. Yeah, I was um, very, very happy that they did this again. I wasn't quite expecting it, but this is definitely yeah. a nice little, so we kind and of I'm have not... the four of each that we should have had in a normal set for normal land arts between the two right right and, and just to be clear there's there there are two arts for each you know land type so we got a total of 10 of these things and i think they're going to be around a long time i think people are going to like using these for quite a while mm. they are exquisite uh, in my opinion and and i'll say in general like they've been doing these kind of basic land treatments for some of the more recent sets and like I remember back in Battle for Zendikar, what a big deal people made about the fact that full art basics were back, like they were in the original Zendikar. And like I, I've always felt that this kind of stuff, this kind of stuff is always welcome because it's always just that little bit of added value. It's you know they're not going to be to everybody's taste, but but the people who like them are really going to like them. And in this case, you're spot on, Cham. I mean the the art on these is really really gorgeous. I will definitely be acquiring some of these to, to flesh out some of my decks. To be honest, mm -hmm. in your listing, I thought you were going to talk about the black-white dual land. 
<laughs> that one specifically. No. That's really where we want Shattered Sanctum. That fuck the other four Shattered Sanctum. Yeah, that's what I was just like. <laughs> okay. It seems weird that he's talking about it. And then he's like, I'm talking about the basics. Okay. That probably makes more sense. Nope. I'm just talking about the basics. I think they did a really good job this time. Like, really good. Yeah. Um, but that's it. There's not much to say on them other than they look great. They're like, sweet. Get you some. Yeah. What's your what's They're basics? Your, what's your top pick of the ten? Uh, my top pick, honestly, is one of the swamps. Uh, it is the one that you don't see as much water. You see like this, the, the sort like of the like path little, through the trees. There's a little stick dude. Or are you no, talking, talking about, about the, the other one? Oh, okay, the other one. Where it's mostly these like craggly trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's kind of Bob Ross um, and pine trees. Mm-hmm. That don't have any leaves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I like that one the best. Um, I think I think either I, the cosmic spider plains or I think maybe the uh, the waterfall island. And I like both the swamps a lot, but I think visually. Yeah, yeah, and that's the crazy thing is like I'm I'm more of a forest guy. Like mm-hmm. green's my favorite color, but like they're amazing. I love the forests, but I just like that swamp. And, yep. You know, we all hate swamp. blue, and that's a good lake. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right, we don't hate blue, but oh, I mean, I hate blue. That doesn't so mean I think, I, it's I think you two hate blue. It yes. doesn't. It doesn't mean I won't play it. You know, when the situation no, demands, yeah. but. I mean, I do play. I did at one point play a Rick Smithies, and then I still have the Ghidorah deck. So, <laughs> all right, <clears throat> um, uh, Chance, you're number four. Oh, let's run and find it. We've got catapult fodder. Should be a Yay. black uncommon. Looking for it as well. It's not a flip side, is it? Nope, it's not. It is the it's name of the down. front, but it is a flip card. It is a flip so, card. So, we got Catapult Fodder, two and a black, for a 1-5 creature zombie. At the beginning of combat mm-hmm. on your turn, if you control three or more creatures that each have toughness greater than their power, transform Catapult Fodder. These days, mm-hmm. ghouls are the only abundant resource in Thraven. It transforms into Catapult Captain. Which is a, a little bit of a chubby chubby zombie. And creature zombie mm-hmm. on the back. He's a 2-6. So he gains some stats. Pay 2 and a black and tap. Sacrifice another creature. Target opponent loses life equal to the sacrificed creature's toughness. And they're mm. more than happy to share the wealth. As far as the extra bodies they have hanging around. it's It's kind of got this... Bryon stout arm kind of effect. You're you're throwing something, you're dealing damage. You know, losing life maybe instead of dealing damage is a good important distinction. But it's an uncommon. It's a three drop, and this comes in a draft set that contains a one thirteen. Mm-hmm. So it's just dangerous. I mechanically really enjoy the card. It is a zombie, so it's probably going to see some love from that. And a sack outlet that leads towards ending the game when there's sometimes sack outlets that literally just spin wheels forever. 
I can appreciate it. I like the the butt goes face damage effect here. And again, life loss, not damage. Right. D just something I, I view as very entertaining and will hopefully end a lot of games and probably more of a draft and pre-release kind of card more so than anything else, but eh, maybe we'll see it in Summon Commander. I, I enjoy the card. I, I am, You guys keep talking. I need to go get some water. I'm not going to make it the rest of the episode <laughs> if I don't get some water. So, uh, you can go ahead and continue with uh, your fifth one if you like, Matt. Or you can keep talking about the captain. Uh, yeah, I was just going to offer my comments. So, like, I'm a fan of uh, Nitsahone, who specializes in content related to limited formats. So, mm -hmm. whenever a new set's coming out, he does a series of, like, uh, you know, ser uh, color grades where he goes through each color programmatically and kind of grades each card according to his evaluation of how he thinks it's going to perform. Mm -hmm. And he, you know, in his in a lot of his content he's been mentioning that like the green black color pair is this kind of toughness matters deck and that overall it's the weakest and probably the least well supported but it did get some really fun little pieces and this is obviously I think in my opinion I think it's the centerpiece cuz it, it gives you something to do with creatures that are not particularly adept at attacking you can fling them and do a bunch of damage equal to the butt and and I think this is one that's going to have really neat carryover, like into Doran decks and some of the other Toughness Matters Commander decks that are out there. Uh, it's it should be very easy to flip, uh, easy to get it online so that you can use it as a repeatable. And then you're in colors that have the ability to offer some some untap effects, maybe not quite as many as like blue, but uh, I think it's doable. I also really appreciate it. it doesn't say do this at sorcery speed. Oh, God, yeah. So, like, having this as a threat, and you can go the end of the turn before your turn, you're like, okay, well, we're going to tap him down and do this now. Whereas, you know, you're not necessarily having to put much risk into play. You don't have to main phase it and then pass. Yeah. And the uh, the pacing, you mentioned the 113, which I believe is either a 5 or a 6 drop. So like It's a 5. The idea that like you would play this turn three, presumably something else like ideally that the the green black tree that lets lets your toughness creatures do damage, mm -hmm. uh, ideally that on turn four and then the one thirteen on turn five, and like then you're like that start of that combat you're triggered and ready to go and fling the big boy if you need to. <laughs> Someone will win a limited game that way, and it'll be ah, it'll feel amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, throwing I mean, butts at people. That's a good way to go. And do you like, you know, we mentioned the tree really quickly, but you know, some of that that grouping, it's nice that the tree has some wording that basically says it's not forcing, it's not forcing defenders to do that. It's just saying if this creature happens to have larger toughness than power, you can assign on toughness. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah. it's not taking your utility 3-1 creature that might threaten a good block and making it a one-one. It's actually just giving you good things. But yeah, he's he's neat. Yeah, he, he makes his friends your friends as he plays about <laughs> you. Yep. I like the idea. 
<clears throat> it's something you see a lot in like fantasy stuff. It's just like hucking dead bodies over the wall. They do it in Lord of the Rings, you know, the the severed heads. Boy, it's gonna take me a while to recover. My throat got real dry. All right. So <laughs> next we have Matt for another card. All right. So this is my fifth regular card, and then we're into like the build around and the precon, right? Yes. Okay. So for my fifth pick, regular set. Uh, I'm breaking all of my molds. I've only talked about a single black card thus far. I've talked about almost exclusively green cards. And now we're talking about a blue card, which I have also admitted that I hate. Uh, this is Necro Duality. Three generic and a blue for an enchantment at Mythic Rare. Whenever a non-token zombie enters the battlefield under your control, create a token that's a copy of a <clears throat> creature. Uh, flavor text reads, Giralf's prowess continues to grow. He can now replicate my own creations with near-perfect accuracy. Attributed to Ludovic's Laboratory Notes. So, this is... This is the big splashy mythic in blue that's going to get a lot of commander players, you know, hyped. Uh, obviously, as a mono black purist, I would prefer to see stuff like this in black so that I could maintain a mono black zombie deck. I know that blue black zombies has been a thing for a long time. You know, we've had Grim Grin yeah. for years. We've had lots of other Gisa. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Gisa or Gisa, but. Gisa and Giralf, uh, in the last time we went to Innistrad, like they, they've always given us strong support for zombies, especially in Innistrad, in blue and black. And now they've just given us a straight-up mythic blue card that is zombie tribal-themed that might be good enough that I just can't ignore blue anymore and have to, have to incorporate blue into my zombie tribal. Uh, yeah. There are tons of zombie lords... There are already just a, a lot of zombie lords out there, and very few of them are actually legendary. So, on the face of it, just being able to double up your zombie lords is incredible. Uh, there are a ton of other cards that are zombie payoffs in one form or another, so getting an extra copy of those and allowing your zombies to go further. You know, there's no shortage of, of great cards that can make tons of zombie tokens. I feel like... You're, you know, you're not going to have a zombie deck that doesn't involve zombie tokens in some capacity, so there, there's a little bit of that Nambo where this only cares about your non-token zombies. But, I mean, you think about Grave Titan as a non-legendary creature. Create a, you know, play this on turn four, drop Grave Titan on turn five or six with a little bit of ramp, and, uh, and now you've got two 6-6 six, six Death Touch Grave Titans that are creating, you know, two zombie tokens apiece every time they swing double the value it, it's just insane except right. the grave titan is a giant oh damn it it's not a zombie by type is it nope damn no. it well but there are cards that can uh let you make it a zombie in addition to its other types so i mean maybe that's the funny like better use of this card is blue black <laughs> really have those all those effects that are pretty consistent across like yeah, all your things in every zone or everything or this thing. So you'd be like, all right, well, we're going to do some awful things, but every creature I play now has a token copy because everything's a zombie wink. Yeah. 
Well, you, you also have stuff like, what is it, Dread Return that comes back as a black zombie on top of its other colors and types? Dread Return doesn't do that, but you've got Nim Death Mantle, which, which anything you reanimate with the Death Mantle comes back as a black zombie with Intimidate. Um, yeah, yeah, there's, the, but there, there's a lot of, there's a oh. lot of return to Battlefield with, it is also a black zombie on top of everything else. Yeah. Yeah, you're correct. Um... Like I said, I'm still just thinking, like, you've got Lord of the Accursed, you've got Lord of the Undead, Cemetery Reaper, uh, Undead War Chief. You, you've got yeah. just a slew of zombie lord creatures that are uh, that are not legendary. Is Helldozer actually a zombie? Helldozer is, and is one of my favorite cards of all time. <laughs> That's where my, like, my, my brain for, like, big, flashy, hilarious double copy of a zombie comes <laughs> God. Isn't there also like graveyard keeper? There's like some graveyard zombie. It's also a lord. Probably. Oh, wait. I, I I'm pretty sure I know what this card does. I think it but just copies I was... a gray merchant. Oh yeah, oh, gray merchant well, that's would true be too. would be gnarly. Yeah. Well, one yeah, thing I was gonna say is blue, this is on theme for blue as well because blue is sort of the on theme for copying. You know. Even the green cards that do it are blue-green, usually. Yeah, I feel like I typically see this in Simic. Um, black is usually pretty good about getting stuff like that when it's relevant to like black-specific things, and zombies, I feel, would qualify. Mm-hmm. Um, just but, throw a little bit right. of white, and we can have some populate, and we have an order procession. There you go. So, it, it, and it's a unique twist on like this is the same cost as Parallel Lives. Uh, it's one less than doubling season, and so the restriction to non-token makes sense. Uh, I like mm-hmm. that aspect of it to kind of keep it in check because obviously you know you can just get you can get really bananas if you start doubling your your zombie tokens, and uh, and again there's no sure. shortage of of creatures available that can create zombie tokens and, and a lot of them. So, but the fact that they've, they've printed a ton of non-token zombies that, that provide you with means to sort of put all your other zombies to use for additional value. Now getting two of those in the case of your non-legendaries, it's tight. It's good. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay. Um, so I have a a red card I'm going to talk about. Um, there, I found it. Um, just an uncommon runebound wolf. One or a red for a 2-2 creature wolf. So, you don't see, I mean, you don't see mono red wolves, but here we are. Now, now wolves are going to be a Naya. Um. Three and a red, tap, uh, runebound wolf deals damage equal to the number of wolves and werewolves you control to target opponent. And the flavor text of, the wolf's captor hid uh, his fear, but he knew someday the runes would fail. Sorry, this is very small. (laughs) The collar would break and the wolf would remember his face. Oh, man. So, vindictive wolf. Um... I like this for, um, I've talked a couple times about the Tulsimir deck that, uh, that Chance is holding upstairs, uh, that hasn't been deconstructed. 
Um, to get Tulsa Mir's deck into Naya and have something like this, where you're just like, okay, now instead of having to attack in with the wolves, we're just going to ping you for the amount of wolves is a really good outlet uh, to have to, you know, because anytime you're swinging in with combat, you run the risk of losing wolves or, you know, like certain cards that are like, hey, destroy target attacking creature or destroy, you know, t like, you know, there's it's one less facet of interaction that you have to account for. If you can just, hey, um, I've got seven wolves, take seven damage. And then you could still attack in if you want. Um, I just like the alternate uh, alternate way to use wolves um, that this enables. Yeah, agreed. Um, I've mentioned before that like my, my Naya Wolf deck is one of my pet decks that I'm trying to get off the ground. And mm -hmm. this set in general is bringing a lot of new tools to that deck. Uh, but this guy mm -hmm. was one that really stood out to me just for exactly the reasons you discussed. Like, the ability to, to hold your board back, you know, if you're in a, a situation where it's not advantageous for you to attack, now you can just sink a little mana, tap one creature, and, and still be doing relevant damage to, to an opponent of your choice. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like it. <clears throat> I like the flavor tags for it, although I stumbled through it. It was very hard to read from this distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good flavor. Could just click it and make it bigger. Um, it's because of my mic setup. I'm further away from the computer screen than usual. Eh, it'd be a little better if I did that. Could have. <clears throat> Anyways, K Sarah Sarah. But yeah, Runebound Wolf. There we go. Um, any thoughts on that one, Chance? Like you said, it's pretty good. It's nice to have a damage effect that doesn't rely on combat. And it is definitely leaning into that. We're not looking at Wolf Tribal or Werewolf Tribal. It's Wolf and Werewolf Tribal. And yep. Just getting some more support <clears> in that. Right. Right. Enabling both to, to continue. Um, all right. Uh, so your fifth one, Chance. We're going to Dark Place. Mm, Choosing one of okay. these. It's a commander card, but it's only found in set boosters and collector's packs. Oh, God. The and darkest if, of if, places. <laughs> and if I had my choices, those those people would never have kneecaps again that ever thought this was okay. Yep, yep. If you want to make cards that you can't fit in the commander precons, like, give us some random cards of, like, an extra little pack. Like, hey, you can't play these, but we wanted to get these out. Like, mm -hmm. It's so dumb. But anyway, we have Wedding Ring. Two white-white for an artifact. When Wedding Ring enters a battlefield, if it was cast, target opponent creates a token that's a copy of it. Whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring draws a card during their turn, you draw a card. Whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring gains life during their turn, you gain that much life. So it's fitting some of this theming of, you know, this set is actually about Olivia reviving Edgar and kind of charming him into marrying. And Anywho, we have like a gown and a groom's clothing. So this kind of fits along in that lines of like, here's the wedding ring. But I like it very much as we're in this together kind of card. 
because all that text that <laughs> you read, whether you want to or not, <laughs> is true for both of you. So you know, you and another player, as long as you've cast this, will have all these effects. And maybe you do something silly, and everyone has a wedding ring, and milling starts happening because you keep picking up the real one and casting it. But yeah, it's just kind of a neat idea that if nothing else, you and your wedding ring recipient buddy will draw an extra card each round, and any life gain done on your own turn is done to both of you. So at least, like, you're probably benefiting from aggressive creatures with lifelink. Yeah. I like a lot of hug right. stuff. This is a very huggy card. I, uh, mm-hmm. This is definitely very Chauncey-themed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do enjoy the the wedding aspect of the set, too. It is a very different theme. This we don't see often. A little disappointing that like the trailer for the set is these two people getting pampered, and they look like legitimately aren't wanting to have a happily ever after, and they're just like <laughs> torture victims held at the top of a tower to be like a real bride and groom on top of the cake for Olivia, and then she kind of tortures them, and that's the end of the movie, the clip. It's just like yeah, uh, <laughs> oh shit, <laughs> I forgot we were in the land of sadness. Yeah, it is. It is in the strad, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's something I, I ordered a borderless one mostly to make my shipping free on something. But, you know, it's a card I like a lot. It'll it'll be interesting to kind of see if the political mind game of giving that to somebody and if the other two people are like, well, we're going to hit you two now because you have advantage that you don't have to do anything for. Well, and, and I like... I like that finally it's it's card draw in white that is at least on one axis unrestricted. So like you sit down to a right. game and you've got your opponent who's playing, you know, Grixis shenanigans or mono blue or something like that. Like you know they're going to be drawing a shit ton of cards. You slap that copy on them and at least now you've brought some parity like Anytime they draw a card, you're drawing a card. And that, you I mean, know. I feel it, but the, my personal play experience with this is going to be, oh, you played a Sylvan Library. Here you go. Right, yeah. That's yeah. fair, too. Because they have to play the game of, are they going to pay the life for those cards? You don't have to. You keep them. Yeah. Yep. So, I do have to issue a quick caveat that I completely forgot about the commander cards that are not included in the main set that also don't appear in the precons. Otherwise, Thundering Mightmare and Hollowhenge Overlord very likely would have also made my list to continue the theme that apparently green is just that awesome in this set. I, I do uh, think Hollowhenge Overlord I, I is do on have, list. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Hollowhenge is on my list. Oh, huzzah! Um, the Breathkeeper Seraph was my last alternate we didn't end up needing. Oh, yeah. Dude, Thundering Mightmare, turning, like, again, from that same axis of uh, of a Voltron approach, like, turning your, your Voltron commander and this thing into Mana Gorger Hydras. Ah, that's so cool. <laughs> and the art <laughs> yeah. is so damn good. <laughs> Such good art. <laughs> you know, as, as a quick could, uh, That could be your too, one. I nah. really like the pair of Doomweaver and Breathkeeper Seraph together. Yeah. You soul bond them together. Then all of a sudden, both of them are dying or drawing cards equal to their power, and then they're both getting resurrected, then re-soul bonded together again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. 
Mm. Nice. <clears throat> well, number six, so not quite your build around, but you know, what would be your number six, including I guess the commander cards. Matt. Uh so nope, because I'm not gonna welch. I'm gonna stick to my guns. Uh, mm-hmm. my initial choice was Shadow Grange Archfiend, six generic and a black for a demon at rare. Mm-hmm. It is an eight four. When Shadow Grange Archfiend enters the battlefield, each opponent sacks a creature with the greatest power among creatures they control. You gain life equal to the greatest power among creatures sacked this way, and it has madness. Two generic and a black, and pay eight life. So if you would discard this card, you may instead discard it into exile and then pay its madness cost to put it uh, to put it onto the battlefield as opposed to your graveyard. And uh, this speaks to what I was talking about earlier, the fact that I was very disappointed that we had kind of a dearth of quality demons in this set, realizing that, you know, the vampires and werewolves kind of take precedence in Innistrad, but the demon presence has always been something that's very important, and I was really disappointed in the overall quality of the demons we got in Midnight Hunt, uh, especially the the new version of Wormandal being a flip creature. I was very disappointed there. So, Dreadfeast Demon, we talked about it briefly earlier. Very neat card. Uh... But Shadow Grange Archfiend is doing something that I always really like to see, and it's it's a revision on on the edict effect. So you know, edict effects historically, what makes them so good is that because they don't target, they can get around hexproof shroud. Basically, if your opponent only has one creature, an edict effect is superb because they they just have to get rid of whatever that creature is. It doesn't matter if it's got hexproof or indestructible. It's just done. It's toast because sacrifice doesn't give a shit about that stuff. Uh, The downside, of course, is if your opponent has a board state, then sacrifice is less good because they're going to sacrifice the least important creature they have. So Shadow Grange is kind of doing that thing, and we've seen it a few times before. Crackling Doom is the one that comes most readily to mind from cons, uh, where it's it's adding a qualifier to what has to be sacrificed. So it's saying whatever has the most power among creatures you control. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that the creature with the most power is the best creature that your opponent has in play. But there's a lot of times where that's exactly what's going to happen. The best creature they have in play is the most powerful creature they have in play. And this says, hey, that super good thing that you have, get it the fuck out of here. And uh, and then oh by the way since you you know since you had your blight steel colossus in play and ready to swing, I will take eleven life. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so like that that one two punch and the fact that it's symmetrical across the board uh, for your opponents, big fan. Uh, I really dislike the four toughness, but I think with the madness involved, I think it's worth it because there's going to be situations where you're going to want to cast this at instant speed. To, to force your opponent to make some tough decisions, and in that case, three mana and eight life is is not a high is not a high price. All right. I mean, you're going to gain a lot of that life back. I would hope. I uh, presumably, yeah. Especially in a game of commander, like eight life. If you're not at least gaining back five or six off of this, so then by the time you say three mana and three life, I mean I I do that with uh, 
I do that with uh oh god. Chainer. Uh you do that with Chainer, you do that with uh Strands of Night. Well yeah, there's any number of black enchantments that you do that willingly with. Right. I do think it touches on a very unfortunate thing of like I hate blood tokens. Blood tokens are such a big theme of this. The only madness card in this whole set is one card in the Commander Precons. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate salt. <laughs> like, why on earth would you not bring Madness back and like yeah. give it in color? Like, because we got flashback and then just the previous set kind of expanded to all colors, but we really didn't have it before. Why not give all colors Madness in this set to go along with the blood tokens? Yeah, Instead, we got training. I do that like Cleave a, a lot, but that is a keen, kinda, eh. that is a keen insight. I I approve. I'd totally pay this for its madness co- madness cost. Yeah, like Iris could do that easy. Yeah, my my feeling is that that madness cost on on a board state where where it's enter the battlefield ability is going to matter. That madness cost is basically just three black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a good, good card for Gyrus, honestly. As I demonstrated, Gyrus can get big quick, and he can he can bring this thing back too when it's gone. That is true. Round two. Um, <laughs> and then those token doublers. Oh gosh! Sacrifice your top three creatures. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, okay. Um Shadow Grange Arc Fiend. Alright. Um, so along the same lines, uh of uh the what are you the, the commander cards that aren't in the precons, I guess that's where they this category is. Just Crimson Vow Commander and the Some of them, yeah. No, yeah. like like Shadow Grange is in the Vampire Precon the same way that like Strephon Mar Mar mm. isn't, but like it's obviously, just not very... obviously the Precons are black, red, and white, blue. So like any of these green cards are not, and there's really if just... their set number is thirty one or higher out of thirty eight for for VOC, mm-hmm. they are not mm-hmm. in the decks. Yeah. So gotcha. I do believe it is Wedding Ring, Umbris, the Five Soul Bonds, and Hallowhenge. Right, right, right. Okay. So <clears throat> I'll be talking about the Hallowhenge Overlord, which is four green green for four four wolf. With Flash, at the beginning of your upkeep, for each creature you control that's a wolf or werewolf creature, uh, werewolf, create a 2 2 green wolf creature token. Um, it just a way to get those werewolf, those wolf tokens. Uh, Tulsimir would be saliv- salivating over this card because that's one of the things. It's very hard without a big mana sink to create a bunch of wolf tokens. Um, and this is just a this is insane because it also uh it also triggers off of tokens, so. <laughs> yeah, that's just like 
you're just doubling your wolves. It's it's like a Krenko for wolves. Y- yeah, uh, granted at sorcery speed, granted only on your upkeep. Um, but yeah, like your ideal play pattern would be to flash well, this in on an opponent's instep so that you get it right away, and then yeah. E- See, yeah, we do it's... that, then we progenitor mimic one of these, and uh, you can do math <laughs> on that. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you, champ. I am salivating over this card. Uh, I'm deeply embarrassed that I overlooked it previously. Uh, yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's you you got the green blinders on. I get but it. it. But as long as it's getting talked about, that's a good thing. It's it's a great big wolf, uh, and the fact that it. I mean, it's a creature-based, uh, it's a creature-based parallel lives, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, cares about token and non-token alike, which is huge. So, that, oh yeah, it, it'll be a must kill on on a board where where you land it. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you'll you know with the flash you'll be able to get at least one activation off of it. Yeah, that's that's kind of the presumption is that you you'll definitely have to kind of hang back. I think that was a good insight by the designers just be like, okay. You get it once at least, right? <laughs> <clears throat> right. Um but yeah, I mean, this is just a solid card. Uh I guess I w- could say the flavor text. Uh I am going to click on the card this time now so I don't it's a little all right, the ruins of the town were a notable upgrade from the wolf's forest den. And the wolf that makes is, sense. The wolf is very noticeably lounging in like a like a four poster bed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's quite a bit bigger than the average wolf as well. Yeah. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah. She she a big girl. God, I love wolves. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's um. I almost want to. I almost want to retool Tulsimir just to see if I can get it, get it working in Naya, just purely for the Runebound Wolf and some other things that it would open up to. Yeah. As a result, that's arguably the one thing that I'm missing at this point is a, a truly you know wolf based Naya commander. My uh, my current build uses Marisi of the Coil for the Goad mechanic, which I think is very interesting with wolves. I would probably for now keep it as Tulsimir, um, where he creates that that partner wolf, mm-hmm. uh, that that version of him, um, and just right now forego the rune, uh, rune bound wolf. If I'm being honest, but mm-hmm. Hollowhenge is a must in that deck. Oh yeah. So yeah, that, there's that one. Um, <clears throat> Chance, your uh, your sixth. Before we talk about build arounds, oddly enough, we're going to talk about a card that makes blood tokens, even though I hate blood tokens. Oh, yes. <laughs> we're going to talk about arterial alchemy, as in dealing with arteries. Oh, yeah, uh, two oh, in a red for an enchantment. You're not a talking about tox rail, okay? Because we're going to build around tox rail. Ooh, oh. you jumped the gun. Oh. You jumped the gun. When arterial <laughs> alchemy enters the battlefield, create a blood token for each opponent you have. It explains blood tokens. Blood yeah. tokens, you control our equipment in addition to the other types and have equipped creature gets plus two, plus oh, and have equipped two. So, there's a use for blood tokens. They're known as 2-0 equipment. Mm-hmm. And this really, for me, kind of hits this vibe of 
I enjoy doing silly things. And when Ragavan came out in Modern Horizons 2, I kind of thought, what's better than the pirate monkey than giving him a bludgeon on brawl, all artifacts you control or equipment that give plus X plus O and have equip X where X is their CMC. So this is another thing in that lines of giving the monkey everything he needs to just slap people back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is a synergy use for blood. I like that. I think they're more useful as 2-0 equipments than the loot. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And it's kind of a neat art. You kind of see them forming what looks like maybe a rapier out of blood. And Yeah, it's got the cross hilt like one. And very, very relevant to me is the fact that the card itself creates a blood token for each opponent you have. So presumably, you're getting three of these plus two, plus zero equipments just by playing this thing. Mm-hmm. Which, right. which is, that's enough that it, like, you don't need to necessarily look at this for a blood token-centric deck. Like, you could put this in an equipment-centric deck, and it's perfectly fine. Yep. True. And as much as I'm not super hip on blood tokens, they do loot if you need them to, if you really just need more. Yeah. Yeah, because your your opponents aren't going to look at destroying the blood equipment the same way that they would, you know, at a sort of feast and famine or something more right. quote-unquote permanent that, that hangs around. And uh, I do feel like this card alone gives... Uh, Odric, his best chance at being worth anything, because oh, yeah. you combine this with Odric, and if you've got a bunch of keywords, you know your keyword soup online, and he makes a, a bunch of freaking blood tokens. Now you've got a bunch of extra equipment laying around that you can snap onto him or somebody else, and and try to punch through for something. And don't forget, right. we have some free equip stuff in uh, white. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, a Bruin or Battle Hammer uh, gives you plus two plus oh just for having so then these become plus four plus o's like that's pretty wild (laughs) (laughs) there's also one of the cat people i don't remember his name but he's just like you can pay a fee and equip any number of equipment to him uh i think Mm -hmm. that's uh i think that's balon is is that balon yeah wandering knight yeah so you have this like oh if you really want to go like equipment focus this would be kind of a funny Funny, like, ah, it's all coming together kind of moment. Yeah. Much to Kronk's delight. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say in my defense of jumping the gun, he did list them backwards. <laughs> I'm going to say in my defense, you didn't give me any structure and you hadn't picked your cards by the time I gave you that list. Fair. But not. Anyways, <laughs> I like the uh, I like the art for this one quite a bit. I do like the that they're sort of using like blood magic to make the sword. Um, blood sword is kind of a cool idea too, and mm. you can just stack them on someone, give them a bunch of attack, and then they don't necessarily get destroyed when they go away. They're still equipment. Yep. Um, yep. So, I like it. Um, 
<clears throat> so then uh, we will be talking about our final cards, the build-around cards, where we would potentially build a deck with this as the commander. So, Matt, what is what is your build-around card? Yeah, so before I get into my build-around card, first I have to throw some shade on the cards that, by rights, I probably should have picked, but couldn't because they did not live up to expectations. Uh, uh-huh. Olivia Crimson Bride, who, yet again... I continue to grow more and more salty whenever Wizards chooses to give reanimate effects to black-red instead of black in isolation. Uh, (laughs) Shame Mm. on them. Um, Although, I'm not going to lie, Olivia's a good card. She's not going to pilot a deck for me, but I would put her in a deck, you know, like a vampire deck. Mm. It it just makes sense. Uh, Same for Edgar, Charmed Groom who, wow, talk about a fall from grace. Now, granted, you know, Edgar Markov is the the commander du jour for any vampire deck and i did not expect his standard legal iteration to to approach anything close to his commander iteration but woof did they fall short oh. on that one uh, I, I don't think you understand what a true nightmare this card is m- mechanically i i think it's interesting but it's just kind of blah it it it's slow I, I dig the fact that like he doesn't truly die. He like you you know he keeps coming back. You get you a know. vampire lord, and then he dies, and then he transforms into his coffin. He spits out some tokens, and then he flips back. I I, I dig that, but it's just kind of slow and chunky. Uh, I'm also yeah. very pissed that they again they didn't give him any keywords, no keywords at all. He's just a, a vanilla plus one plus one vampires, other vampires you control, you know, a, a vanilla vampire lord. Um, strong preference for the Fang art, the the special treatment art on both of those two cards. So, getting down to my actual pick of what I'm excited to build around is mm, get up to them here. Giralf Visionary Stitcher, two generic and a blue for a legendary creature, human wizard at rare. He is a one four. Zombies you control. Have flying, and he has an activated ability. Uh, pay a blue and tap him. Sack another non-token creature to create an XX blue zombie creature token where X is the sack creature's toughness. And his flavor text, mm. which is superb. Do you like it, sister? Its dreadful visage was inspired by your own. So obviously, Jeralf and Gisa, uh, brother and sister... Uh, Gisa being yeah. a cool caller and Jeralf being a stitcher, representing the two different sort of disciplines of necromancy on, on Innistrad. And uh, their kind of combative sibling rivalry is uh, something that's been in Innistrad since the beginning. So really cool to see both of them here. Uh, for me, this is, I feel like this is a strict improvement on Jeralf's original iteration which was in the mono colored commander precons back in 2014 he was one of the alternate commanders for the blue deck uh in that deck he his original iteration he's a five drop and he his activated ability is kind of like a mill thing where everybody turns three cards into their graveyard and then you can create a an xx token zombie token based on the power like the combined power and toughness of two creatures that get churned through that milling process so that's a much more, mm-hmm. to me, I view that as a much more restrictive ability 
because you don't know what kind of decks your opponents are running. So if you know someone at the table is playing a spells a spells heavy deck, you're probably not going to hit any creatures off of them. It's kind of a, like you're milling them, but it's kind of a whiff from the perspective of creating the creature token. This like this toughness based mono blue zombie tribal to me just kind of clicks better. You have a lot more control over the creatures you're making. Uh, you can probably set it up nicely to take advantage of some good enter the battlefield abilities with the creatures, then sack them with their low power and high toughness to turn them into much more relevant bodies for combat. You can potentially then use cards like our, our you know, uh, there are some cards in blue that lets you recover stuff from your graveyard. Uh, I I just I, I think he's a and then the fact that he's a three drop is is just really good. Giving your zombies flying, so he he comes with a tacked on a way to give you know the creature tokens evasion. That's going to be super relevant. Uh, I really dig the new giraffe. Hmm. Okay. I I have to give plus one to any card that is great with Phyrexian Dreadnought, and he is great with Phyrexian Dreadnought. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, I'd like to play two mana to get a twelve twelve flyer. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Also. Just the fact that just giving zombies flying is just a funny idea. Like, here you go. We're stitching on some wings. <laughs> he is a stitcher. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even in like that it. aspect, he could just be dangerous, slotted in random decks. Like, ah, the board is pretty stale. Well, here's Gareth. Oh. Uh. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Flying and, zombies. And I think, I think I've mentioned before that, like, one of my pet projects for my commander collection is to eventually have a reanimator deck in all the mono colors <laughs> and yeah and i think that i think that this giraffe fits that motif better than the first giraffe because he was who i was looking at previously but like i said you just i feel like you run too big of a risk whiffing with with the milling ability it's a bummer that the tokens don't actually copy the creatures they're based on so that you can recycle some of those ETBs. Uh, but I, I think it's a perfectly acceptable play pattern. You know, you play the creature, get the ETB, sack it, get a more relevant combat based token, and then do your, do your deed. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm interested to, to build it and, and sketch it out, at least in the hypothetical, and see, see where I can get it. Okay. All right, um, yeah, I, that's a that's a cool one. It'd get me to play zombies if if I did, but it's blue. Y- you understand. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, my card is Grawlnock the Omnivore, two green and blue for a three three legendary creature frog. Whenever a frog uh, you control attacks. Mill three cards, which there's a there's a decent amount in Simic. Um, there's not a ton, but th- there's a decent amount. Whenever a permanent card is put into your graveyard from your library, exile it with a croak counter on it. You may play lands and cast spells from among cards you own with ex- uh, in exile with croak counters on them. Um, <clears throat> now, you have to have this guy there and alive to have this in effect, but... Yeah, we mentioned before having cards that are outside of your hand but able to be cast is fairly strong. Um, if I may delve into a different card game for a second, uh, there was a re- 
re- no, I am. Um, so I've been really into Flesh and Blood late- lately. And um, there was recently a banning of a card because it did this kind of thing where it had like an extra hand um, for, and it did it like, you know, like every turn, here's like five cards this turn that I have outside of my, you know, four card hand, which is usual in the deck. So like nine card hands, whereas, you know, you're used to having four um, because they were outside of the normal hand size. And that were some of the cards that enabled that got banned recently from how strong that was now <clears throat> you have to keep Grawlnock in here to take advantage of this but having him on the field and if he's safe um just having extra hand size that is fairly protected like we said before is just great so i would try to, to take advantage of that and green blue can take advantage of that between ramp and color fixing and all sorts of stuff, and just having other frogs trigger this as well. Um, the only thing is, you would just need to keep him in play, and it's not too hard to uh, protect uh, protect him in these colors, as well as just recast him if you need to. It's not like those things go away. They still have the crow counters, you just can't cast them without him on the field. So, I enjoy I, I enjoy the idea of like playing extra cards from outside of your hand, and Moss with this card. It's nice to see, you know, some of this green-black buddying together getting used in some other space. And we have this these cards like Mulch that, you know, you mill and you're trying to get some advantage out of it. But with uh, Mr. Froggy here, you're going to get stuff like Self-Mill becomes card draw as long as you're not very spell-heavy. Right. If you have mostly permanents and... Uh, lands then you're going to have a lot of advantage and reuse of effects if you just have a handful of stuff like mulch and stuff like thought scour becomes really kind of funny it's like ah it's just mm-hmm. draw a card mill two mm-hmm. but it could kind of be draw three for you now <laughs> yeah i mean used to yeah and and it gives you access to lands too which is good yeah uh i I felt similarly about Grolnock as I did about Coma back in Kaldheim, although Grolnock I don't think has near the raw power that Coma has, but mm-hmm. just seeing a new spin on Simic, where, again, it felt like for so long we just had the generic Simic value of play more lands, draw more cards. That's what Simic's all about. And so even though this is still card advantage, it's doing it in a unique and interesting way. And it feels much better than those just generically raw power Simic cards that would seem like we were getting one after the other for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very interesting card. And I I think, I think Gronach will be one that a lot of people choose to build from this set because he is so interesting. And you'll have to really yeah. appreciate that he curves really well into traumatizing yourself the turn after. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. I All don't right. want normal card advantage. <clears throat> I want to draw 45. <laughs> nice. Um, okay. But yeah, draw not the Envoy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, Chance, what's, uh, what's your build around? Spells. 
Uh, we're gonna go back to monocolored creatures. Wink. Wink. Mm-hmm. He is a monocolored creature, but he's not a monocolored commander. We have Toxrill, the corrosive. He has five mm-hmm. black black, so seven mana for a seven seven legendary creature slug horror. Beginning of mm-hmm. each end step. Each end step. Put a slime counter on each creature you don't control. Creatures you don't control get neg one, neg one for each slime counter on them. Whenever a creature you don't control with a slime counter on it dies, create a 1-1 one, one black slug creature token. Pay a blue, pay a black, sacrifice the slug, colon, draw a card. I just want to start with, I picked this before I apparently read it really carefully. I thought it yeah. was your end step, not each end step. Oh god! Holy mother of backhanding uh-ohs. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you pay him, you protect him because you have blue, and then a turn cycle plus a half a turn cycle. Everything is died. You have a slug army to redraw cards, and life will be awful forever. Yeah. 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 I'm very yeah. much like blue black for like the stealing and playing your things kind of effects. But I really like gravitated towards him because I, I have some Negwon Negwon counter stuff and Carnifax Demon and some other effects that I have in Hapatra. Like, I play cards that on your upkeep put a Negwon Negwon counter on each creature is good enough. Just thinking like, oh, you're only sliming opponents. That's great. And then, oh, no, you slime opponents constantly like this is a freaking Praetor. <laughs> you know, he... Draws cards. It it's something kind of unique, and if you wanted to, you could kind of try to play it as mono black. But I feel like, eh. uh, yeah, believe me, no one is more disappointed about that blue in the activated ability than I am. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But but it's there. You you can't really fight it. I do like yeah. that. It kind of there's this weird like every once in a while, blue black actually has a sacrifice sub theme. Yeah. It actually comes in, uh, I forget the name, but the Azra that is black but has a blue-black ability from Battle Bond. Uh, Legendary creature. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So it, it's just nice to see, like, okay, if this is something that you, you like, maybe we're giving you a little more. I don't know that there's a lot of slugs. That's not something I looked into. But I do really appreciate with a lot of exile effects... That in this, you know, in its own environment, if you slow roll this enough, you have revive effects, you have just pull graveyard back to your hand effects. It being able to sacrifice itself, I also really like that protecting your advantage portion of it. Even as a commander, just I'm going to exile the board. All right, well, we're gonna draw a card at least. It looks like there's exactly one other slug able to be put in his deck. The Catacomb Slug. Mm. Um, no, wait. Gluttonous Slug as well. Modern Horizons. And then we have um, Return to Ravnica. Magic Origins. I don't know what that is. Um, but there's like, <clears throat> there's a red, no, that's slugginess. There's a giant sticks. slug in green. We have a 1-1, one, one. there's a merc root. Yeah. But oh, I we mean, have a, a Menace slug. 
But but you're but you're spot on. Like slug tribal isn't really where you want to be with this. You're you're more yeah. looking at that that blue black I mean, sacrifice sub theme. You're also looking at the scars and saying, "Let's effing suffer." <laughs> right. <laughs> As the slime counters are going everywhere, and you're like, "Yeah, why do you have such a big bag <clears throat> of dice?" <laughs> are you ready for right. my non-legendary copies of this? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's rough. It's a it's a self-contained engine, and you you gotta love that. And it's it kind of gets exponential because if you get a non-legendary copy or a non-name, like Sakashima is kind of where I always go, the original one. Like I don't yeah. have his name, but I do what he does. Right. So you'll have two of those static effects that they get neg one neg one for each slime counter. Yeah. So you're shrinking <laughs> them by four at the end of each turn. Oh Because two counters are in place, and each counter does more. So if you can protect your board for the third copy, you win. Like, yeah. creatures don't exist. You're yeah. shrinking enemy creatures by 9-9 nine, nine at the end of each turn. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not cool. That's just not cool. It, it fits uh, our, our, our themes, though. It, it, you have to enjoy the suffering, because there will be suffering. Yes. That's your theme, not my theme. It's how we got through the end of world. Like, mm. Yeah, I like it. I don't, I don't know that you care too much about the slugginess of it. I do feel like, as we talked about with some of the, the zombie shenanigans, I probably put a few of the cards that let you fudge creature types mm-hmm. just so I can slugify a few things. He's a good sack outlet once everything's a slug. It, yeah. If uh, if he was a demon, I'd probably be overjoyed. So, <laughs> Honestly, I would probably do for my like of the Dulcan Shackles, I would probably... Vidalcan shackles to borrow things, so now they're slugs that I can sacrifice. <laughs> mm. Okay, and if they get them back, they die. There's just you can have it or it dies. I'm gonna draw a card, mm. regardless, because either I'll make a token that I'll sacrifice, or I will sacrifice your thing. Yeah. Well, if you got the mana. Yeah. It's cool. It's a really unexpected card in most aspects in this set. And I think that's the thing that really drew it to me drew me to it the most is I just did not expect this huge slug that just drips pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> so um so that's the set. Uh that's our that's our cards that we're gonna be talking about. Um uh so overall you know, final thoughts uh, for me is I like the theme of the set quite a bit. Um, I like the idea of it being a wedding, but also just, you know, there's just generic cards in here. Like a lot of these cards don't really have to do with the wedding, but the ones that do are kind of nice. Like the, you know, there's a lot of stuff like the wedding invitations and, you know, the those kind of things that deal with it. But also bunch of stuff dealing with werewolves and like cultivating colossus and there's a dragon like the dragon's not invited to the wedding um (laughs) so it's just like a normal set but it's got this little sub theme in there for flavor that that i quite enjoy um it's nice to see them to do something a little outside of the box with that um and of course to get sort a lot of cool creatures in the set as well um I will say that's one thing magic does very well is it's very good at creating excellent art and excellent creatures that 
that are kind of interesting to look about, look, look at and think about and that kind of stuff. Um, any final thoughts on the set for you guys? I can definitely feel seeing this set and having dealt with Midnight Hunt now, you can feel the identity crisis of this was one set at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And uh, well, whoever I need uh, to catch on fire slash backhand so we stop getting these in quotation marks set booster only cards. So, so one thing we ended up not touching on in the slightest is the special Dracula art treatments. Um, yeah. So I just had a couple comments about that. Um, one, A++ to Wizards for doing it correct again after they did it correct in Ikoria with the Godzilla treatments. This is how you do yes. non-magic-based arts for magic cards. You have corollaries within the set for all the cards, and you just have alternate art treatments from other properties, and that's great, and that's fine. And if you like them, cool. If you don't, cool. You don't have mechanically unique cards that don't have corollaries in Magic. Whatever. Uh, Number two, the art for Count Dracula, which is the Dracula treatment for Soren the Mirthless, the Soren Planeswalker we got in this set, was drawn by an artist that I know personally and am a big fan of, but I found it super hilarious. He very clearly used himself for the model. It looks just fucking oh. like him. And it's really like I showed Marcus and we both got a really good laugh out of it. And it's like we could just see wizards being like, hey, we want you to draw Count Dracula. And he's like, oh, I have the he's a French guy. I know the perfect model. And he just draws himself as fucking Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realize that was Bastion until. Oh, that's Bastion. Said that and that I looked is, at the bottom. That is that's 100% funny. Bastion. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know this guy. <laughs> Yeah, so I I found that really really funny. Now that we've well, touched it... on this, I will have to give one one little gripe about these. Is there's some great ones like I think the art generally for all of them is really amazing. I really like the idea that Castle Dracula was the box topper. Like I yeah. like that kind of like we got in the Ikoria. I hate that they put duds in everything. Like they can't just let things be super cool. Yes. Like you see people that get their box topper is the Sisters of the Undead, which is like a version of Olivia. Yeah. And you get, like, mine that's Search the Count's Castle. Yeah. Just yep. a draw spell that's, like, Thirst for Knowledge. Uh, I And I realize the limitation of, of using Dracula as inspiration because Dracula, other than the sisters, like his wives, Dracula is the only vampire. But the fact that they gave us, like, six different versions of Dracula. And it's like, okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Calm down. I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily mind that. I'm just I'm just more of a little, like, maybe it's bigger pieces of the story than I care to think about, but giving us, you know, oh, these are cool alternate legendary creatures, like the Three Weird Sisters and the Sisters of Undead and, you know, Dracula the Voyager taking up some of the slots that we have of legendary creatures that are possible. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a really, really way to, like, bling out a a deck of this. Even the the Renfield, the Delusional Minion, you have these things. But when it's, like, a one-time-use spell 
that in itself is just questionable, like mysterious blood illness. Oh yeah. Search the Count's castle. Like yeah. I can maybe accept like Harker's Journal and Ben Helsing's Holy Ward as a card that stays in play. So you can be just like, oh, you know, I appreciate it because it gets to stay in play. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It just feels like they they build duds into this when they could have just made the list smaller and made all of them feel awesome. Oh, I agree. That, that aspect of it is annoying. Yeah, a hundred a hundred percent on that. Okay. Um, so do we have ratings for the set ready? Oh yeah. Alright, so Matt, we loved with you tonight, so what's your rating for the set? Uh nine out of ten two two wolf tokens at every upkeep. Yes. Alright. I am I'm down for that one. Um where are my hydras at? We're like three sets in with no hydras, so four headed hydra. It's really good, but I need a hydra. Just I'm I'm getting hydra dry. You're you're There's... not counting right. Forgotten Realms had a hydra. No, it didn't. It had a freaking land that thought it was a hydra. There's a hydra in the commander decks from Forgotten Realms. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the main set. That's commander. That's commander bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't count. All right. Uh, what about you, Chance? I think I've gotten too high with my normal rating system. But so it's like a Googleplex out of 10, Gideon's still dead. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to go with a lovely 7-7 seven, seven slug. Ooh, nice. <laughs> but you, nice. Know, but okay. you know that Gideon clock is counting down. That dude is coming back. There's no way they don't bring him back. <laughs> That's one thing Chauncey isn't very giddy for. Oh, Ooh. I'm not. Not even. I mean, we have Bostard Cat. We have a Planeswalker that we I don't think used at all in this story. That's another white Planeswalker. Uh, yeah, I had no clue what his name was. What does that tell you about his longevity? <laughs> He's just mm-hmm. been like Corset, is it? As far as I know. Mm. Of course, the story implications for anyone that should exist that didn't show up in War of the Spark, now they have to have a big... Well, they weren't here because of... <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, thanks for joining joining us, Matt. And thanks for joining me, Chance. And uh, the next set uh, we'll be delving into is... Uh, what What is the next Kamigawa set? Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Neon Dynasty. Should be looking oh, for boy. release early in February. I so. Am... I'm already bracing yeah. myself to be bitterly disappointed with whatever direction they choose to take Samurai. I'm, I'm sure this will be Gundam and some crossover thing with, like, <laughs> robotic technology stuff. <laughs> and I love it anyway because it's magic, so whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'll be great. I'm actually super psyched for the set after that, The Streets of New Capuchin, because it's going to be demon-themed. Mm. And it's also Wedges, isn't it? It's wet, and that's my big reservation is that, you know, I really just want demons in mono black. So the idea of a whole set with, like, multicolored demons, I'm, I don't know. We'll see. Get your team or demon. I don't know what that's going to I'm, I'm prepared to be excited and also prepared to be bitterly disappointed. So. And there is hey, a set even, that comes even out before any sets of have that. mono colors. Yeah. Again, there is a set that comes out before any of that, which is Innistrad. 
double feature, something like that. What? It's just Crimson That's... Vow and Midnight Hunt cards together in the same set, kind of like a master set. It doesn't yeah, that's matter. Not it a, offers nothing that's, new. That's coming yeah, out. A, wait, that's coming not, out before Neon Dynasty or between Neon Dynasty and Streets of New Capuchin? I believe it is before Neon Dynasty. Hmm, it only goes out to like WPN premium stores, so uh, uh, we won't get it here locally. We might be able to order it online. Yeah. It exists. We won't review it because it's okay. not new. Okay. No. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you guys for joining us, and. Uh, We'll see you on the next set review. We'll see you next year. Yeah, next year. 2022.